You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020, and you're golden. Today, I have Liz Clark from the Washington Post on to talk about the story she wrote last week with Will Hobson. She provides insight into the process and we discuss the culture at Washington's facility. And then I catch up with former Washington tight end Vernon Davis, who's in Atlanta filming another movie. The interview was taped several weeks ago, but because of all the other stuff going on, couldn't roll it out. It was taped before any news on a possible name change as well. But I wanted to give you some football talk, and we discuss his movie, his infamous fake crying scene on SportsCenter in February, and there's one player in particular on the current roster that he lit up while talking about. And then I share a few of my own thoughts. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a few more stories coming up in the next week, so be on the lookout. And now... My conversation with the Washington Post, Liz Clark. Now I'm very proud to be joined by the great Liz Clark. Not just somebody I've worked alongside, but somebody I call a friend. have a tremendous amount of respect for um, as a reporter, as a person. And I think her qualities as a person extend into why you see her as such a good reporter. So... Liz, thanks for for coming on. Obviously, I want to talk to you about the story that you and Will Hobson wrote last week. And one thing, and I want to get into more, you know, impact and all that, because there's, you know, what what could happen from this. But for you as a reporter, when you have people who are entrusting you with their stories like this, what kind of responsibility did you feel throughout this process and writing this story? Well, John, thank you for your incredibly kind words and for having me. And uh, there's, I, there's, I just consider you at the top of the heap in 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 all regards as a friend well, and ethical person and committed reporter. So back at you, my friend. Well, um, and so to your question, I really want to stress. Uh, the important role my coworker Will Hobson played. Okay. He 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 had really many of the most difficult interviews. Okay. Um and okay. yeah, he was outstanding. Um in some cases these conversations with these women started two years ago. Wow. It was the summer of 2018 when the New York Times broke the cheerleader scandal. Right. Around that time, it was kind of the height of the Me Too conversation in our country. We had heard from uh, a few former employees um, just about workplace issues and sexual harassment issues. And we did our best to listen and talk to them, but they were very scared. No one was yeah. 
comfortable yeah. going on the record. Um, so we could not reach a critical mass that that was ready to be published. You know, as you know, reporters right. spend an enormous right. amount of time gathering, right. gathering, right. learning, and uh, it, there's a funnel system, and what you end up reporting may be a small part of that because right. it has to clear many, many hurdles. Right. Um, so we somewhat, it's we set it aside, but didn't forget them, of course. Um, and then in the past month or so, we heard from a few again. I think, you know, for for very complex and layered reasons, our country's at a moment where where young people are feeling the need to speak out on right. social justice right. issues, racial justice issues, their own sense of what is a just workplace. Um, and, and sexual harassment equity is part of that. Um, so, so we kind of re-engaged. And then we also learned that there were more women who, you know, some said, you might want to talk to my friend or you might want to talk to this person. And, and just to sort of recap, we we had more than 40 interviews. The story was based on this, the, the experience of 15 former uh, employees, female employees of, of the team, plus two beat writers of the female beat writers of the team. Um, it was not, it was not, I mean, the issues of anxiety and feeling like they couldn't talk, couldn't talk on the record, they are still very present and will be present. As, as I'm sure you know, many uh, of the team's employees sign non-disclosure right. agreements or are required right. to sign these agreements um, when they're fired or when they leave. Some even, I think, when, when you're hired, it's changed over the years. But it, it's a legal um, document that says you cannot speak disparagingly of the team afterward. Um, in some cases, the validity of these documents has been has right. been questioned and tried. And but but in this case, this cohort, they're generally young women in their 20s or 30s, might be first or second job out of college. They might be making thirty thousand dollars, working extremely hard, as as many of us do in those first jobs. And it's not about the money; you just want to make right. your way in a profession. So. Even in the case of saying you're fired to get your, your severance, you've got to sign this NDA. If you are a young person in this market, uh, and we're talking about a severance that might be two weeks, that is a big, big deal. You, you really, it's like a forced signature. So with many cases, they, are, they, they want to honor their NDA. Um, some of the women who didn't sign an NDA said, I'm still petrified of the team and the team's lawyers. And, and I don't, you know, the, the, the shadow it casts, the, the tentacles of fear is very real, especially for a, a young person. And so lumbering toward your question, there was no effort by me or Will to talk these women out of, uh, oh, don't worry about the N NDA. You know, there was no right. pushing or prodding. You know, it's more listening. What is your comfort level? Um, and just proceed as they were ready to proceed and, and honor, honor that. So, I mean, of course, 
you know, it, it's a, it, you feel a great responsibility as you do, as I know you do literally. Right. And, and I right. dealing with any athlete, whether it's an injury or you're benched or, you know, traumatic things happen in the lives of people we cover. Um, I do think um, the issues of NFL players, the harshness of their reality, which is you are replaceable. Um, this is a tough business. It's a performance business. You know, that is underscored every day in the NFL. It's underscored because contracts aren't guaranteed. It's underscored with every draft pick you make. The whole point of a draft pick is to say, hello, starting QB. Look at the young guy with the big arm we got. I mean, that is their world. And that that's outstanding. You know, that that is sports. Um, and some coaches can be more benevolent and some can be more harsh. But when you're talking about a professional workplace, in a business enterprise for a $3.4 billion business, you know, the standards and ethics should not be fear of being uh, undercut or backstabbed or, you know, it, it, it's a different set of, of standards and expectations, legitimate. Um, one of, I'm sorry to go on without ceasing, but I think one of the real takeaways here, and it is just a damn shame that uh, the case hadn't successfully been made to the owner years earlier, is that any business on this scale must have a credible HR department. Right. Um, right. That is just, you know, A, to give employees a safe harbor to go to if they have a workplace conflict, B, to make clear what our standards are, to give training, not only in IT safety, um, but in what is a hostile workplace, what sexual harassment, what is acceptable, what is not. I mean, that is, that is one role of HR. Um, and, and another is to protect the organization's reputation itself. I mean, so that it can say, we made clear this is our standards, this employee violated it, we nip it in the bud. I mean, had they had that, had these women had a place to report, it's quite plausible that these episodes might have happened once. The right. person is called in and said, uh, you could either say you're fired or you could say, you know what our policy is. Right. You're on, right. on notice, not again. You know, it didn't have to get to this point. And this is 13 years of behavior incidents of a, of a culture. Um, at least that we were able to document. Right. It's not to say there isn't more, but you know there was no reason that this just became normalized. That um, powerful men in in the front office could treat young women like you know entertainment. Uh, that it was normal to comment on them and to say you know turn around, nice ass, or you know wear something tighter. Certainly, right. there's separate sphere of issues in the business side of the team, in the marketing department, that is in the same vein of the cheerleader scandal where uh, young women were told, uh, you know, wear something tighter, wear something shorter, and, and to, to close a sale. Uh, so again, there's a, there's a scenario in which it, it never should and could have come to this. And that was in in management's hands and they chose to spend their money elsewhere. 
And you know, it's funny because I was going to ask you about that lay with the HR stuff because in talking to people like what can you do to improve things and all that and they, they bring up hiring someone else from HR, hiring a female in power to provide a stronger voice for everybody and having not just stronger voice, but more diverse thoughts, opinions, whatever, because that doesn't always exist out there. And those are some solutions that I've heard. I want to get to those in a minute. I do. I am curious from, from your end, like, um, because you brought it up too, you can't write this story. And people have asked like other people, like, why didn't, why wasn't this report before? Because you can't write this if you don't have somebody on the record willing to come on the record. And again, to trust you as a reporter to go on the record and tell their story. That's not an easy thing for somebody to get to. And so I, you know, what is your thought on just, you know, Emily, Rhiannon, and, and, and Nora willing to do that? Because you don't have, it's, you can't write the story if you don't. Understandably, the average person doesn't understand. And there was so much um, reckless, erroneous, completely unbased uh, chatter, it, worse than chatter, about what was going to be in this story right. in the days running up. Um, to be clear, the post had nothing to do with that. That oh, was no doubt. not from, uh, you know that, and yes. I know that, but I think a lot of people, at least what I'm seeing on social media, think you guys hype this story and this is what it is, you know, right. there, but that, I mean, that just upset me more than anything in three decades of journalism. The, the reckless rampant um, on social media, it's going to say this, it's going to say that. And even one person threw out names of people who were not ever part of our inquiry. And yet the names are out there, Tar. Yeah. Um, so that I, there just should be some accountability. But as right. we know, there are reporters and there are bloggers and there are people who trade on social media in speculation and I'm hearing there are rumblings of this. Each one certainly has an audience and each one has a different standard of what you can and can't report. So I, it's not for me to comment right. on, on the whole gamut, but um, it's certainly at the Washington Post and, and you, you have to have a certain level of right confirmation for any story and so that is why the story wasn't written two years ago and that's why um i mean you've i i covered the team eight years you've covered the team probably 25 i tell me yes yeah. around there anyway. yes that's yeah. yeah i mean between us we both yeah. know there are things we have heard seen right. are aware of that inform your reporting because it helps you put your radar up. I think right. there's a story brewing here. This doesn't look good. You don't write that story that second because your editor would say, you know, where's where's the goods? You, right. you know what I mean? Right. Building a story. It's a serious business. Yeah. And this issue, sexual harassment in the workplace, when that issue alone, um, and it involves the reputations of people and the careers of people. You have to take tremendous care, and right. just as a common sense matter, but as as an editorial matter, um, I, I'm proud that our bosses said, you know, I, we don't we don't really have this two years ago. I am very proud. And yeah. for those who say, if you knew this, why didn't you publish it? You know, wh where were you? And um, 
or this is it, this is a nothing burger. I mean, I, I really don't have anything yeah. to say. You know, those are two quite separate right. um, complaints that, that if, if I wanted to engage, I would have a fulsome response, but I am really trying not to engage and just let the story speak for itself. And, um, and as always, let the work speak for itself and the work will be published when it's ready. Right. And that's, which, which is why, like, I knew the care that was going into that. I didn't, like, you know, we all, everybody heard Rollings, but you can't contribute to the noise if you don't, if it's not your story. But what I knew is, if you're involved, Will Hobson, Matt Vita, all those people, I know the care that's going into making sure the story's right and making sure you have the receipts to make sure the story has the impact that it should, but also not just the impact that there's nobody saying, oh, it's just based on this. You have people on the record. That is not easy to get in this situation. It's certainly not. And it speaks um, less to us than the women who were Absolutely. strong enough to go on. It takes on. a lot to do that. And, and another thing that's obvious to you and me, and, and understandably maybe not obvious to, to others, consumers of news, is that a story like this, the reporting of it, the writing of it, the editing of it, is very iterative. So you have what you think is the reporting in, in the best you're gonna get it. Right. You must then go to the team and say, here's what we have, we're gonna write a story, it says this. The team will say, we don't respond to hearsay, right. for example. And then you say, okay, this is fairly serious stuff. We will let you know, I mean, specifically, we have this incident, this person, this, this, you know, just complete transparency. We, we would need a comment. We, what do you have to say? So that takes a day or two for the team sure. to formulate a response. Um, the team took some action in those days that certainly we weren't told about. It's, you know, they took the action they did. That right. became news. Um, then they get back to us. Then other people start coming to us because they're sort of chum in the water again right. that we did not put out there right. that i deeply regret it served no purpose it was spurless um but you know again yeah that's just the world we live in um then other people come to us so we have sort of new dimensions it's it's and and this surely is not the final word on workplace issues at, right. at this team and because as I'm sure Coach Rivera would tell you, there is so much going on there, um, simply as it relates to choosing a roster, fielding a team, taking a three-win team to something more respectable. That is an enormous full-time job. But in addition, he is being charged with, you know, formulating a, a social justice response for the team, uh, resetting the culture, which he was very strong in response to this story, unequivocal, this is not going to happen under my watch. Right. I have great admiration for those words. And then he's supposed to be helping design a logo and choose a name at the same time. I mean, there's a lot going on with this team, and we're not even speaking of the three co-owners actively trying right. to sell their shares. That's 40% of the team. So these are foundational uh, fishers in the team. The, there's no evidence of a new stadium uh, on the horizon at all. That's politically fraught. 
Um, it is gonna be a huge uh, challenge financially. It's more than bricks and mortar. Any new NFL stadium totally resets the finances of that team. Right. Um, I mean, it prints money for you if done well. And it, it, and, and it energizes a fan base so much so that they want to buy seat licenses, you know, for the right, right. right to buy the season ticket. So all those business things need to happen in the next five, six years. Those are all serious, serious matters. Face, in addition to this story and the issues it raised, facing a team that, in a, to me, quite baffling, does not have a team president, does not have a general manager. Um, titles change there a lot, but it's too much for, for Ron Rivera, uh, for, for any human being. It's, it's, it's a lot for uh, so, one person. So we'll see. It's a lot. And that's what I want to ask you, too, is like, the, you know, it's funny, because my wife is a journalist as well, as, as you know that, and we were talking about this last week. Like, it's not, it's rare in this business to write a story that truly can impact change. And you guys have had a chance to impact the culture at that building because they have to now address things that they weren't addressing before and whatever happened before. But now moving forward, what do you think the impact would be and what steps would you recommend? And I, I've talked to a lot of people too, so I got my own step, but what steps would you recommend to say, yeah. this is how you can improve the culture there? You know, it, it certainly, I mean, I think you hit on it earlier and we discussed it a bit to start baseline with an HR department um, that is independent, that doesn't report to the CFO, that is independent, that is staffed by a professional trained in this department, that is that person's only, um, only duty. And uh, it's not one person, it should be a department. Um, there is so much at stake within an organization like this. That's baseline. Um, I will know how many efforts there have been at a reset of whether the locker room culture, the team culture, uh, you know, with each coaching change, with each season, and and it, the team has such a fervent fan base, a forgiving fan base, you know, that really is on board every training camp. This is the year. This is the year right. that the defense takes over. This is the year uh, of, of this. And um, so I've got, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'll believe it when I see it right. in terms of meaningful change. Because as, as we know, um, this, this the, the statement saying we're going to bring in a, a, a lawyer and the lawyer they're bringing in is quite accomplished, quite respected. Um, to conduct this review and, and recommend changes going forward. It can't be denied that her client is the team. You know, she's right. not, she's, it's not like she's hired by the league, she's hired by the team. She's, I, I understand, a towering, you know, figure. Right. Um, but, but the play, it, it is, is familiar in the playbook of, of this team's crises management. It's like the 50 gut. Of, of crisis management. We've heard it before and we've seen it before. Um, after the cheerleading scandal, they were gonna have a review. I am not sure what came of that. Right. Um, in the right. name issue, when the name issue long running, uh, 
suddenly became urgent because $45 million of sponsor money was about to depart, um, they were announced they're conducting an internal review. So, you know, I surely, the optimist in me surely would like to believe Ron Rivera has the latitude to achieve and affect the change he wants to make. I don't for a second doubt his sincerity from what I know about Coach right. Rivera. It's just, is he gonna have that latitude, yeah. that time, or have the, the, the ground pulled out from under him, as, as happens to many, many coaches yeah. who thought they were in control of the draft, yeah. but found themselves in control of picks four through seven, but just not the top ones. Right. You know, all different ways to be undercut there. You know, I'll, I'll believe, believe meaningful change when I see it. Um, but I am skeptical because though the words and actions look responsive and you can't fault them at all and they right. deserve um, applause, uh, I, I'm just going to wait and see. You know, many of the women we've heard from, and, it, and let me be clear, we've heard from several men as well yeah. who um, yeah. <clears throat> have stories of uh, a verbally abusive yeah. workplace oh, yeah. and yeah. who also witnessed sexual harassment and did not feel empowered enough to speak out. And this is weighing on them. And I, and I hear the, the sincerity in their voices. Um, so it's not, it, it, it's a, it's a far lar larger cohort that has been affected here than 15 women. Um, so the only point I'm trying to make here is that they too are, are interested in speaking and telling their stories, maybe not so much to the Washington Post, but to this, uh, outside investigator, to the investigator. So, right. and, and through them, I'll, I'll get a, a little better sense of how deep how probing, how earnest, how wide is the net cast in this inquiry into the culture? Um, are they calling the same people we called? You know. Right. Well, you know, and it's funny, Liz, because I talked to somebody the other day and I asked them, this person had worked there for a few years, and I said, what changes, and this person was in a pretty good position, so what changes would you recommend? And they were like, nobody has ever asked me that. And this is somebody who should have been asked that before because this was a very good employee and and you know you would think that if you're in there and you have somebody's ear they would say hey there's but i don't think people always knew and you know and it this extends beyond the sexual harassment to me and it's like why is this important yeah. because people there and i've talked to so many people over jason and i um reed and i did a, a big thing on bruce allen's culture excluding the stuff that you guys wrote about but just the culture in general and there's a lot of not feeling appreciated, undervalued, et cetera, et cetera. That rings true. So that's to me is a big task too. Cleaning up this stuff, also instilling a level of pride to work there. And that's a you have to have you have to make that an emphasis from the top down for it to really work. Oh, I that's so well put. And I agree with you that there is a, a broader lens, a broader context to this as it relates to this team. So just to be clear, yes. The football side of this business is the, the, the underlying truth is that everybody's replaceable. That is just the harsh thing in right. sports. But in a, on the business side of any well-run company, you need a different baseline if you're going to have loyalty, right. commitment. Right. And, and this, what, what we both have learned is that you're not building a winning organization 
if the MO is to many of your staff, we don't really even see you as people. Right. We are gonna run you into the ground. You're gonna be working constantly. You're gonna be underpaid. Um, and, and if you don't like it, we can get somebody in here in two seconds and somebody who's cheaper and doesn't complain. So I don't think that's a successful business model, whether right. you are running right. an ad campaign or selling season tickets or um, selling suites. It's not a successful business model. And you and I have been in, in other locker rooms and in other settings. It's very easy for me to think of the Pittsburgh Steelers and how we were welcomed every summer at Latrobe. Yeah. And, and we yeah. would see the owner, the late Dan Rooney, right. you know, right. walking around the grounds, welcoming us. You know, he knew his employees' names. If you go to the Steelers headquarters, they have a cafeteria. The, the players, the, the um, entry-level staff, executives, the owner, um, they all eat together in the cafeteria. There, there's no hierarchy pecking order. There's no sense of my boss pounds on me to deliver, right. deliver, deliver. So right. it's my prerogative to then pound on right. the person who works for me and then they'll pound on this other person. And if the other person wears a skirt, I can also just you know, comment on the shorter skirt you know, appeal to me more. I mean, that's what we're talking about in changing a culture, and it, uh, it runs deep. And it shouldn't be that hard to tell employees, both word and deed, you know, we value you. We right. don't want to burn through you. We don't want you to leave embittered. You know, we want to invest in you and watch you grow and, you know, start thinking, where do you see yourself in five years? We want to help you get there. And if we don't have a job for you as you grow, we'll help you find the next one. It's just so many uh, partings there and in burnout, resentment, feeling used, feeling mistreated. And I do believe there's a correlation to, is this a winning organization? Right. Is this a winning team? Right, and I that's great, well said and I'm going to end there because I think we've, we've kind of touched on all the big things here, Liz. Thank you very much for coming on. And for those of you who haven't read the story yet, you need to check it out. I'm sure you have. Excellent, excellent work by Liz Clark, Will Hobson, and the Washington Post. So, Liz, thank you for coming on. Oh, John, I just love, love speaking with you again. I have missed you, dear friend, and I read you and follow you with tremendous interest. Thank you well, so much. Thanks, Liz. After this break, I'll be back with Vernon Davis. What movie is he working on now? What kind of grief did he get for his fake crying scene on SportsCenter in February? And which young player is he excited about? A reminder, this was taped before we knew about any possible name change or anything else. A couple months ago, I stopped into a store for a sandwich but it was the smell of the coffee that knocked me over. That's when I fell in love with Lone Oak Coffee. I bought some of their Mexican blend and was happy for the rest of the week. Lone Oak is a small specialty-based coffee roaster company in Winchester, Virginia. They finished ninth in the nation in the U.S. Coffee Roasting Championships in 2017. They have received many awards for their house blend at the world's largest coffee roasting competition. Here's what I love about Lone Oak. 
They dial in each coffee to fit its best profile, bringing out the natural nuances and highlighting interesting flavors. I'm drinking their Brazilian blend now with a mix of nutty and almond flavors. They have coffees from all over the world. I love their smooth Colombian with hints of cocoa and caramel apple. Go to LoneOakCoffee.com, L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. And when you order, use the code COFFEE2020. That's COFFEE2020. You will receive a 5% discount with free shipping on any orders over $25. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Welcome back. Now here's my interview with former Washington tight end Vernon Davis. What up, Vernon? Hey, John Kemp. How you doing, man? Good. I'm I'm doing all right. So, so tell me what what are you doing? Are you are you working on another movie right now? So yes, right now we have the amazing and brilliant Deshaun Hardy, who used to play uh, football. He had a shot in the NFL. You know, it didn't go it didn't go well for him. You know how that goes. But yeah. he had a shot. So he's uh you know I applaud him. You know, for his effort and his career, you know, making it that far. Because you know, you you know, you know, the window of opportunity is small. But yes. For him to go from that extreme to, um, to a totally different extreme, which is the business of production and di- and, and uh, di- directing and writing, he does it all, man. He's and wow. That's why I partnered with him when I saw his work and I saw how dedicated and how amazing he was just as a person and you know his skill set. To be able to 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 do so many things and wear so many hats, I mean, that's that's few and far between. We don't see that a lot, especially with an African American African American um, uh, former athlete. It is truly amazing. So I couldn't help myself but to partner with him, and we we partnered and we came up with uh, Between the Lines Productions. Um, we're going to incorporate really five productions. Yeah, we're just going we're just bringing like minds together, man, and making it work. This project is called Message from Brianna that was written by Deshaun Hardy, directed by Deshaun Hardy, and also produced by Deshaun Hardy. Um, as you can see, Deshaun Hardy is so many different things. Uh, but, uh, but, it's, but it's great. Uh, it's an incredible script. It's about an African-American couple uh, dealing with exorcism. You know, you have Leonard and Kathy who has, uh, yeah, I'm playing Leonard, Asia okay. is playing Brianna. Um, they have a three-year-old and Leonard grew up in a house with his grandparents and uh crystal which was a relative of, of leonard she was a young girl at the time a teenager she was killed by leonard's grandparents in that same house so now the spirit of crystal is in that house so leonard grows up he gets married to kathy they have a beautiful baby uh girl named brianna they move into the house now um the brianna is possessed by the spirit of crystal and now they're fighting as you can see leonard is fighting throughout this entire uh, movie He's fighting to protect his family, keep his family together, solve this problem with his daughter being possessed, and um, and and live a happy, happy uh, life. But in order for him to do that, he has to figure out what's going on, and uh, fight throughout the whole movie. Where are you at in filming with this? Like, where? How far along are you? And what's the challenge of this role for you? We're in Atlanta. Uh, we'll be filming for about twenty-five days. Uh, I think the, the biggest challenge with this is, like anything else, just staying within the budget. I, we, 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 you know, it's a low-budget film, and we want to make sure that with, you know, with so many things that we have going on with creating a film like this. I mean, there's so many moving pieces. I mean, this is going to be an incredible film. It's a horror film. Um, we have uh, we have all kinds of things going. I mean, so many different shots, but that special effects. 
I mean, that's that's the biggest challenge. I mean, everything else, it just it just comes it just comes with it. I, you know, you prepare. It's just like football. You prepare. Sure. You, you should be ready. And you know, I'm you know, I'm well prepared for the film. You know, I'm gonna put out the best that I can that I can give. And you know, I'm pretty much ready to go. Uh, before I came here, I was shooting a film with BT called Everything's Fine, which comes out July comes out July uh, July twentieth, somewhere around there. Okay. Uh, I shot that, and uh, the, the the casting, the director that we have had over there, Victoria Ra- Raul. She's uh, she was amazing. She sent me an email after my performance, and she congratulated me on my performance. So, you know, Good that was you. yeah, that was pretty. That was pretty amazing coming from her to hear that. Yeah, she, she that was pretty. You know, she, I, she told me I was a director's dream. <laughs> well, that's that's like what what Henry was telling me back when I did that story on you in the fall. That's what the word was talking about too, and the preparation, all that. But for the current role, as somebody in a in a movie about you know exorcism or whatever, that sounds a little bit um, heavier. So how do you how do you as a as an actor how do you get into the mindset of dealing with that? And you know what was the challenge of that role? Well, you trust the process. You, you put in the work. Like I said, my my coach. I actually casted my coach for this. His name's uh, Kevin Benton. Uh, Kevin Benton. So I have several coaches. I have Mark McKinnon, who I work with. I have Kevin Benton. Um, and I have Robert Epstein. I work with three right. different guys. And I like these guys. I was put with these guys. And after working with all of them, they're all different. They bring something totally different. So for this film, I've worked with all three of them. Uh, Kevin Benton's here. And you just, you prepare. And you 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 get into, um, you, you you just get into, you whatever it is, you, you, you my process of, of planning and preparing for, a film like this is similar to to planning for any other film, right? So after shooting Red Winter and now I'm shooting this film, I've had that uh, experience and I've had that uh, that that work. So it all goes together. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm just ready to go. I just you just get get here and you're ready to go. It it into, can you repeat the name of the title too? I when you said it before, it uh, got oh, a little... message from Brianna. Got you. Okay, cool. So and then. Um, it sounds like you've been very busy even during this time. Have you missed preparing for a football season at all? You know what? Yes, I do. I I, I, I totally miss football, man. Football has been my rock. Football has been everything to me. And I've been, yeah, I've been doing it for so many years. So I'm, I'm totally, um, yeah, man, I miss it. I, I do. I truly miss it. But acting has really taken up a lot of my time and my energy. And I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just as excited as, at, you know about this as I was sure you know, football. Well, and 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 of course that's what you do. Listen, I got to ask you too because you know that you've caught a little bit of grief on social media with the whole the crying thing that you did on there. Oh, wait, till, <laughs> hey, wait till wait till they see me. Wait till they see John. One one thing. Wait till they see me crying now. They're gonna be like, whoa, that's a totally different person. <laughs> well, I wanted to give you another. Huh? I wanted to give you another chance to say, listen, I was put on the spot and like you're kind of. It was a tough spot to be in. So, but that, I just, I, you know, I'm sure you had a little bit of fun with that. You know what? When they caught me, when I was, when that, that crime scene, they caught me with, uh, they caught me with, uh, what did I have? What, what should I, what can I say? I was in the middle. Of, yeah, I just retired and I was in the middle of just, I was showing off and, uh, you know, I was young and I didn't have all the proper tools and I didn't understand that. In order for me to be able to cry, I have to have something to work off. I have to have a reason to cry. I have to have right. Uh, I have to have something to react to.
but in 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 not just red winter but the message from brianna you'll see all of the preparation and the tools that i put in to really know how to be a working actor you know you know what i'm saying right now i, do. I, have, I have all the tools i can i can play any genre and i'll do well because i have the tools and i'm fully equipped to do it you know um but you'll see that you'll see that well and i and it's funny because i think i told you before my son is an actor so when i'm watching things and you're listening to this stuff and i see somebody cry on film my thought now is okay how did they get to that point because you can't just say cry on demand it's a little it doesn't quite doesn't quite work like that you've got to get to that point oh yeah you get to that point now if i now if i was to go back on espn now what i would do is i would do a monologue for them or i'll make up an imaginary circumstance like maybe i'm talking to a father of my father or something like that and i'll and i'll show them how how i can lead up to an emotional just just like just super right. emotional charge and, and it'll look you wouldn't know what was going on you'd be like damn he's fucking he's how did he get there you know what i mean right yeah so it's it's, it's pretty cool man it's pretty cool it, it is cool like i said it's a whole process but did um did you have some fun with the reaction to that Oh yeah, I loved it. I loved it. And I, I thought it was great because I because I was telling myself I was telling myself that uh they're making fun of me. And yeah, you know what? I I yeah, I'm I laughed at it because I was I was like, why did I do that? Just get on there and just start crying. You don't do that. You know, you I know take, yeah, you just can't get get on there and cry. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's gonna show my progression. It's gonna show all the work. There you go. To, to when they see these two films, they're gonna be like, wow, this is crazy. This is a different dude. Oh. I can't wait when you see these two films, man. These two films are going to be spectacular. It's going to show, um, it's going to just show my work, you know, the work that I put in since that uh, that ESPN flick. Well, and wh when does Message from Brianna come out? Do you know yet? You know, I'm going to have to really stay on top of Deshaun Hardy so he can get that done for us. Okay. Hopefully in the fall. Okay. Where are you a better actor now compared to even when uh, we talked about this a year ago around this time, where are you better now as an actor? Where am I better? I think I'm better as far as my preparation, my preparation. I've just, you know, like, a, you know, I have a notebook that I keep and I, I keep, um, it's just, it's just a lot of stuff, a lot of, like a lot of writing, uh, you know, I know how to break down scripts. I know how to uh, create backstories. I know how to um, um, determine my substitution. I know my, my moment before, my previous moment. My secret. I know that I need to have a secret in every every scene. You know what I mean. I I know that I need to. Um, you know, just everything. Everything that it takes to to get into character and to be truthful. I know that. You know. I know. I know all that stuff. You know. So. Hey. You know. As it, as far as talking the language and really knowing what I need to do, like you know, I'm not afraid to. You know, when I show up to, for a movie, I'm 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 over prepared. You know, I'm ready to go. Right. I'm ready to work. And, and you know what? I I can sit here and talk about it, but. Until you see the work that I put in, then you you you'll be able to critique me. You'll be like, "Wow, he's actually putting the work," and which is which is what everybody expects from you. How do you look back, like on your career now? When you look back, because there's been a few months since you retired, so you've had a little bit of time to probably think about things. How do you look back on what you were able to accomplish? Um, you know, I look at back at it and I'd be like, "Damn, I don't know how I did all that." <laughs> No, seriously, and I say that because when you're in it and you're playing, you're playing this game. It's like it's easy. It feels easy to you, right? Right. Because you're so you prepare and you prepare and you train and you train. You was like, oh, I can do this with my eyes closed. But now that I'm not playing, and I'm not putting in that same kind of work from a preparation standpoint to go out and compete on Sundays, it's like, damn, how did I do that? <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I'm looking at it from just an average person. You know, it's just like, damn, I can't believe I, I did all that. Like, it's crazy. You know, it's just a whole level. It's just a totally different level of, of, of just, you know, I'm just grateful. You know, it's just it's crazy. There was a point when I talked to you when we did this big story last year, but I remember talking about early in your career, you realized that you had to start putting, you know, you have the talent, you're a high pick, you know, we saw what you could do out there. Did you, was there a critical point in your career early on where you felt like you made a decision to do more or do whatever, the extra stuff to make sure you had this kind of a career? Um. Yeah, I made sure I was over. I always made sure that I over prepared for 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 football. You know, I was always I always over over prepared. I never took off. Like once the season was over, I took off maybe a week and I got back into it. And was it always like that? Oh, it was always like that before all my my okay. entire, entire career. But the biggest thing that I focused on was the the, the recovery, taking care of myself. Gotcha. Uh, massages. I've always gotten three massages a week. I saw a chiropractor. Uh, proper nutrition. I've always done that as well. That that's huge, you know, it, and it shows too because I've never had I never had surgery in my career, my entire right. career. Never had surgery, so you know that's a that's a. I have to give credit to you know first to, you know God and and you know just being able to just be persistent in taking care of my body. Do, would you ever be tempted to come back, or you just say I'm done, I'm done, I'm done, I'm you done? Know, you know what? You know I've fallen so in love with this acting stuff, man. I'm so passionate. I love this stuff, man. I, I, I just I don't I don't know if I can. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I would be able to come back. I just you know I love it. I love this. I love I love what I do, man. I, I love it. I mean, I just it's fun. Would you Would you be concerned? Would <laughs> just a couple more here too. Like, would you be concerned about playing during this? virus situation i would be concerned because there's really no way to stop it and you know you can slow it down but there's no way to stop it i mean you go in the locker room this i mean of course it's going to spread right i just i just think because you i mean guys are free to go wherever they want to go i mean they're and it's no telling who's going to go and touch stuff and put their hands in their mouth and you can't control that right it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna make its way in the locker room somehow some some way you know it's just it's inevitable with your former team, the Redskins, Dwayne Haskins has looked like he's done a lot of things this offseason to, you know, reshape his body and do all things like that. Have you paid attention to what he's been doing, just even through the videos? And what do you think? Yeah, I think he's. I think he has the. He definitely has the dedication, and he's motivated to to, to be the best that he could possibly be. I think for him, it's just like anything, just growing as a young quarterback in this league. You have to really take charge and take control and, 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 you know, just be that, 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 that factor that you need to be. And I, he has it, he has it, he definitely has it. I mean, he has the tools, he has the skill set, but how, how much, um, how much more can he grow mentally to be who we know he can be? And, and right. he's going to, I mean, I, I mean, that kid, he's a great kid, great person, uh, very respectful. I mean, it's just, I mean, the sky's the limit for him. He just has to stay persistent and just stay true to um, his character and his integrity. And one of the things, like in talking to some people who work with him, they say they felt like he had to learn to do it at an NFL level. Did you see Did you see a progression with him even throughout the season where he started to maybe figure out not just the game, but what he needed to do? Yeah, I saw he, he had moments where his confidence with, with would, was low and then he had moments where it was high and yeah and it's to be expected it's, and it's okay to be that way and that's what you want you want to 
have those moments because it makes you into to who you are. It produces good fruit. And right. um, to see him go through that 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 challenge and it's just it's just all awesome. It's, it's awesome. So I can only say that you know I'm excited for him. Can't wait to see what he's gonna do. Love Dwayne. What do you think? What do you think Terry's gonna do? Oh, Terry's gonna get better. He's gonna continue to get better. He's gonna be a force in this league for a long time. I had an opportunity to really um, uh, cultivate a relationship with Terry and and give him all that I had. I gave him everything. I gave him. Really? Yeah, I gave him my knowledge. I gave him my wisdom. I gave him my chiropractor, my list of chiropractors, my massage therapist, and I talked to him. And he gets it, man. He gets it. He's a he's a he's a work he's a work. He's just uh, he's he was a treat, man. He's just he just he gets it. And I, I love that he was able to be susceptible and take in my words and my and my wisdom. And he would always ask questions. He'd come to me asking me questions. I, I love really? that. Dude, that dude's on his way. He's he's on his he, way. Well, I always said he felt like he was a 10-year pro when you were talking to him. I always oh, yeah. you know, he, he he gets it, man. He gets it. He he's taking what I've given him and he's he's doing it. Um last, last thing, you know, you have this great career. Do you look at like what kind of accolades might come here? I mean, you know, is this was this a Hall of Fame type career? Do you think, or what? What do you? What kind of stamp would you put on that? You know what? I, I would, you know what? I would like to. I, you know, if I, I would like for the the committee. I would like for everyone to look at everything that I've been able to do, um, from an accolade standpoint, from the playoffs to the to to the to the regular season. Just look at you know at least look at it. You know, I would love. My goal was always be the best at what I was doing. So, I mean, whether I make it to the Hall of Fame or I don't, you know, I'm still grateful for the career that I had. Absolutely. You had a great career. Vernon, thanks a lot. And I wish you luck with the acting. I can't wait to see what you do there. Okay, thank you. Good to see you. Good to hear from you, man. Good to see you, man. After this break, I'll wrap up the show with a few thoughts of my own on the current events. Welcome back. Now here are a few nuggets you need to know. The Post story should be a good warning for every journalist and even bloggers to shut the hell up unless you have the story. There are people putting things out there they swore were part of it that unless they were talking to Liz or Will Hobson or their editor, I don't think they had a clue about. I got a few questions about what I knew or didn't know. Some were felt more like accusations. Um, I think they're way off base, but I think some people kind of want to know things. But All I'm going to tell you is I really don't feel like I need to defend myself in anything. I can sleep pretty damn well knowing how I handle this beat, what I put into it, what I know and report, and my approach, etc. I can tell you that none of the people who were fired really have ever been a source for me, so there was nothing for me to protect. I'm not into making favors. I don't make nefarious deals to get stories, as some people have suggested that beat reporters do here. For me, that's a big swing and a miss. It's one thing to hear certain stories about people and what they do on the road or hear various things and because we all hear things like that. It's another to know and then to prove that they're sexually harassing someone. It's then another thing to be able to report it. You need someone on the record or you need a paper trail. Otherwise, you're open to libel, a lawsuit, possible job loss. So you'd better have it nailed down, locked solid, otherwise trouble. The standards for a reporter are far higher than for others on social media. I don't mean that to say that arrogantly. I think it's just the way it should be. You should expect more from a journalist in my position than you should from anyone else. If you don't expect more, then I'm not doing my job. 
I can't amplify something on ESPN this grand with just anonymous sources or just by, well, whatever. There have been other stories in the past where you hear things and you can't report it for this reason. It's not about doing a favor. It's about burden of proof, and it's about having somebody on the record. The fact that Emily Applegate went on the record was absolutely vital for the Post. Good for them for getting her to do that. And the reporters, Rand and Walker, Nora Princiati, were courageous for putting themselves out there. I've been through my own things that are highly private. I know it's not easy to do what they did. I did not realize the depth of what went on with them. One thing I can tell you with 100% certainty, I didn't sit on anything. But I also think this speaks to why investigative reporters are so necessary. It's hard for beat reporters with all that we're entrusted to do to look this deep into a story of this magnitude. I've always known people were unhappy working there for a variety of reasons, some of which I wrote after Bruce Allen was fired. And I will also say what I've always known is that female reporters have it tougher than male reporters, not just because of the harassment stuff, you know, because, again, whatever you knew or didn't know, but also because of what gets said on social media. It's just different for them, and we know that. When I talk to employees and some current ones, they want to see more change than just having Terry Bateman being elevated to chief marketing officer. It's nothing against him. I don't really know him that well. I can't say what he's going to do or not do and if he'll be good or not. But I know that people want real change. They want more people and human resources. They want female executives in power. And I think hiring Julie Donaldson to oversee the broadcast operations is a good start. She'll oversee the operation and will be tasked with hiring a new play-by-play announcer. They want more diverse voices at the table and good organizations Every member feels as if their job matters. That is far from the case here. Far. That doesn't mean they can't win. They have had good teams with all this stuff going on. But if you want to build a good organization, it starts with hiring good people and letting them do their jobs. Jack King Cook was not a good guy and no saint. He hired the right people. Finally, I do think the internal investigation will be a good thing and not just to protect the franchise. I know some ex-employees who have reached out to the NFL and to the law firm to make sure their voice is heard. They've been put on a list they will talk to them. I know their experience was a common one compared to what's in the story. That is something I found out after this story came out. I'll be curious what comes of the Beth Wilkinson investigation. I do think Ron Rivera will be good for the building. I do believe he set on improving the culture and has a plan in place, especially on the football side where his impact can be greater, obviously. It would be hard for him to impact the entire building because it takes more than one person and you need a constant presence on that side. I'm talking about daily interactions. It's asking way too much of him to do that on his own. Way too much. It, as, they, as Hillary Clinton once said, it takes a village. And I think in this case, that's what it takes to, to create a new culture. The name should be announced soon, though it's hard to know when. I do think it'll be this week. With all the other stuff going on, it did get kind of pushed back. Now, is it going to be the new name? Is it going to be a temporary name? I think we'll learn that at that time. But again, I do believe had this, that story not run last week, we'd have known the name already. You know, like I said, I don't know what it's going to be, so I'm not going to hazard a guess. On the field, as Washington nears camp, it'll be a good chance for the team to play a lot of its young players this season. The season is not set up for them to have a fast start with a new staff, a young quarterback, and players who haven't met one another. That's okay. The key will be how they finish. But there is a sentiment internally that they should just play the young guys at any spot possible as long as they're legit talents. I think it's why you might see a Jaron Christian get that shot at left tackle because rather than them having gone out and signed a, a Jason Peters, because they want to see, and I've told you that before, they want to see what they have, use the season as a base to build upon, really find out about your guys and build this the right way after the season. 
They understand what they're up against this season. In some ways, a season without fans at the stadium will probably help this team grow. The focus will be and should be on just developing guys, not worrying about how many people are in the stands, not worrying about if they're booing, if they're fans of other teams. It's just going to be about, at the games, at their games, about them playing and are they developing. That's it. The player I'm most looking forward to seeing this season is quarterback Dwayne Haskins. He's put in the work. He's talented. I'd be patient with him because there's so much he must learn and show on the field, and we really don't know about the talent around him. This is a new system for everybody. It's going to take time for everybody, including Haskins. But he has done his job in the offseason, and that was good to see. That's all for this week. Thank you to Liz Clark and Vernon Davis for joining me, and thank you for listening. I know it's been a difficult period. I want to try and help you get through this. Talk to you next time.